Hi, I'm Sherilyn Fenn. Hello, this is Christabel. Hello, this is Michael Horst. I'm Amy Shields. I'm Mark Frost. Hi, I'm Kimmy Robertson. Hey, Ben, this is David Duchovny. We have a beautiful, beautiful book. Twin Peaks Unwrapped the Book. You can get it at bluerosemag.com. Supplies are limited. Uh, get this bad boy while it's hot. Want to say we're under the 300 mark for these books. Yes. And then yes. once they're gone, they are gone. Our thinking would be that the book would be gone by the end of the year. I mean, I don't even know if it's going to last that long. But the idea was that, hey, this is the 30th anniversary. Like, wouldn't it be cool just to have a book that could be available to really diehard Twin Peaks fans? We recommend you pick it up at bluerosemag.com. Thank you for your interest and for your enthusiasm and, and keeping Twin Peaks alive. Welcome to this week's edition of Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Brian Kazaska, and beside me is Ben Durant. Hello, Ben. Hello, Brian. How's it going? Pretty good. <laughs> pretty, pretty good. good. We're back. Uh, Twin Peaks is back, and um, I think uh, everybody's been waiting to know what would happen in uh, part, part nine. nine. Yeah. Pretty cool. So let's get down to brass taxes. <laughs> Shall we? Brian, this episode aired on July 9th, and it's called This is the Chair. And I like This is the Chair as the name, because briefly in this episode, there's a red herring about mm. the chair, <laughs> which you're, you're kind of watching going, this is why they named it This is the Chair, between Andy and uh, Lucy debating uh, about buying a chair. I, you know, I missed that. Yeah, you missed that. So there's a whole. I mean, we can talk about that real quick because it's 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 really nothing. It was adorable scene, um, and how Lucy and Andy are both looking on this web page to buy a chair. And uh, Lucy wants a beige beige chair, and Andy wants a red chair, which is interesting because there's been a lot of debate about the color of the of the twin of the uh, red room. The red room. Yes. Like, maybe it's a beige now and not a, a bright red or the way the filters are. People are saying... Brown, oh, it's red, it's yeah, white. It's yeah, <laughs> like, it's interesting. And they're going back and forth, back and forth, and then... Color we, correction you need or something. Yeah. yeah, and then... So here's the funny thing. So we're, we're, we're excited to go here. They have this whole dispute, and Andy finally gives in and says, Oh, honey, you can get the beige one. Yeah. And then she goes to the computer, and she actually picks the red one, which was Andy's. Yeah. But she said, but that was a whole episode. Dun dun dun. <laughs> but I mean, it was adorable, so right? Did Andy trick Lucy, or did Lucy decide to give in and and make her husband happy? I think Lucy gave. I think Lucy was trying to make Andy happy. Or did she always want the red one all the time, and she plays these mind games? Or this is just an adorable thing that they do every day. I don't know what. It- or maybe they're just constantly playing <laughs> um, mind games with each other. And I, I was but just, I don't know. apparently I was thinking about how Andy in the old series would be extra, extra, extra nice to Lucy and then she would give in. And I was, that's why I was like, is Andy saying, oh, honey, you can get what you want and then tricking her to get the richer? I don't know. I don't think we need to get on a tangent. What? Let's but, well, hold on. I got one thing to say about this scene. It did make me think about how Lucy was scared of cell phones. It's interesting that she doesn't get cell phones, but she's online shopping. So she's not totally 
technical she's not totally like against technology like the internet isn't freaking her out yes how is this chair here right and how can i just buy something online when i'm not there but a cell phone is interesting though and it's interesting i don't think we brought this up when we first talked about uh how she had trouble with truman and the cell phone but in firewalk with me the missing pieces she is she's gonna in her office space and i think truman and andy are are in another location, and she uses the intercom to talk to them, and all of a sudden Andy comes upstairs, or they comes by, and she freaks out. And to me, it was almost the same thing, so mm. I, I do wonder if that's a... A callback? A callback to the missing pieces. Even though, I don't know how many people remember that missing pieces <laughs> scene, but... <laughs> I didn't until you just mentioned it, yeah. and now I remembered it. But, uh, yeah, a lot of callbacks, and this episode had a few more callbacks, um, which was really cool. But... Let's get into it. That was the Andy and Lucy of the show. There's really nothing more about them. Um, before we get into the meat, do we want to talk about one small, another small scene that, I mean, doesn't hold any bearing on the overall story right now? Okay. Um, we'll just talk about uh, Johnny, how we briefly got to see Johnny, Johnny, Horn. Johnny Horn. And I'm like, oh, my God, are we going to see Audrey Horn? Yes, yes. But we didn't. We, we I, you know, I almost, I was very close to tweeting. We're gonna see Audrey Horn this week. I'm so glad. I'm I did. so glad you Every did. Every week I was gonna be like, Audrey Horn this week. Everybody's been doing that. I think people have given up. Um, no, so we saw Johnny Horn, and he, he, someone says Sylvia Horn. Are, so his mom, Sylvia is Horn, Sylvia Audrey's, Horn? yes, is I definitely can hear her voice. She's in the credits in the end of the title. Okay, she's uh, in the credits. credits okay. Yeah. And she says, someone let him out. Uh, yeah, yeah. So he I got think, out. Somehow. I'm sure they have like a maid or somebody that helps out Johnny. Just even like that's a kind of a callback to the pilot. There, I think there was a helper for Johnny mm. or one of the episodes. And she says, "You let him out. Let him out." And he's like running all around the house, <laughs> <laughs> and he runs down the hall, and you hear like the smash, and it seems like electricity or yes, something. Yes, I heard the electricity too. Yes, which was weird because he smashes his head against a. A pitcher, yes. which was the waterfall, and he's wearing blue pajamas, same the same color pajamas Cooper was wearing uh, when he smashed his forehead against yes. the mirror. I thought it was, a, and I thought it was a callback to like his father, uh, Benjamin Horn smashed his head. There was all kinds uh, of injuries, from head injuries. Episode twenty nine. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, but also the electricity noise. Did he trip over like a uh, like a lamp or something? Yeah, like, I was trying to think. Weird. Could there be something in the wall that had electricity in it? Like, was there wiring or something? I know it. It, odd. Does this connect to something Maybe. bigger? And was he dead or knocked out? He didn't look alive. Yeah, he had blood on his face. And I he wasn't know. moving? Right. I mean, is this going to be, are we going to see the funeral of Johnny Horn down the road and we're going to see Audrey? I want to say, this is a, it's, it's such <laughs> That's a, morbid, I but know, it could happen. Morbid. I, mean, I feel like an, a jerk. I keep like thinking like, amen. <laughs> 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 that's horrible. I'm sorry. No, but I yeah, I think that could, could possibly happen. We could maybe see Audrey by if the Johnny fear. dies. Yeah, and I will say I think it's a it's a different actor. I think actually uh, Johnny's been played by two actors in the original series, and I think this is another actor. I couldn't even tell you what he looked like. Yeah, honestly. you're only seeing really the back of him. You don't see yeah. him or a side of his side face. Of I mean, but that was a, another small thing that happened in this week's episode. It was interesting because I think these little kernels are uh, other than Andy and Lucy, but that kernel is going to lead to something bigger. I think. I hope. I hope down the next X amount of episodes we right. see something with that. And yeah, I think it might bring the family together. 
because of Johnny. Yeah, and, we and I'm trying to figure out that house. Yet. I mean, that house didn't look like the Great Northern. So I was trying to think: is, yeah. is Sylvia and Johnny living somewhere else? I mean, are they still with? Uh, is Benjamin Horn and Sylvia still married? I, maybe, maybe Benjamin and Sylvia got a divorce, right. and maybe he's staying on the up and up because he wants her back. And yeah. maybe he's trying to prove to himself he's a good guy. He's still. Right. I mean, we learned this week as well. This is another small scene. We can okay. get the small scenes let's out of the way. Yeah, let's get them out of the way. Out of the way. You know, he's with Beverly. Yes. And yet again... I always thought we were having a flashback or something like, oh, we're going back in time because they're doing the humming again. And it looked exactly the yes, same, right? right? And he looks more like David Letterman oh. than David Letterman looks now. Uh. It's weird. Um, so he has... Um, him and Beverly, they hear the hum, and he said, well, nobody, you know, can find where this is coming from, and they almost kiss. And he goes, I can't. And she's mm. like, you're a good man. Now, we know she's married to someone who's has health problems, right. declining health. And we don't know about Ben Horn. We don't know if he's still married or not. Um, I don't bl- I'm assuming he is. Let's assume that he's still married. But I think this just shows he's he turned up the, he turned over that new leaf in season 2 and he's kept on track. Hmm. Which is interesting that he's kept on the up and up. Yeah. It's kind of cool. I wish I could remember what they how they described the humming cuz the humming was an interesting now I go. I we can go into the meat a little bit. That humming to me sounded like the humming of the metal uh, tube that they found in the. Yes, tube. I and agree. When he when he slams it, he goes, "Did you hear that?" And yes. Mm. Yes. And I was like, "Oh my god!" It sounds just like the humming in that room. That's Very my only connection right now, right? Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. He's not the same. Yeah, and I'm still trying to think of I can't remember, I feel like they described it somehow, which fascinating, but I can't remember now. Other maybe otherworldly. Yes. That's what they used. The yeah. word it made me think about that because I kinda of like, oh, we're kinda we're kind of tiptoeing around dimensions mm-hmm. and there's a gateway and maybe parallel, parallel universes. universes. Yeah, so it was interesting that this came up for uh, Benjamin Horn, and then we have this technology with uh, with a sheriff department, and then we ha- we'll get into the whole blog stuff. As yeah, well yeah, that. and it's coming from the corner with that lamp, mm. which is interesting. I, th- I think we've talked about. It. I we uh, at one point when we first saw this, I thought maybe it was related to Josie. Or, yeah, I yeah. Mean, the original series, Benjamin Horn. Uh, I don't know if it was episode twenty seven or twenty eight. He, he he hears something and then he he looks the other way, and we never do find out what that was all about. And yeah. and then the next thing we see is is Pete Martell saying, "Josie, I see your face" or something like that. And sometimes I think some of us fans connected that Josie could be haunting the Great Northern. There could be a parallel universe in there, or especially with the whole doorknob thing too. Mm-hmm. That she's inside the, the, the wood, the, the wood and stuff. But and maybe she's she's. You know, uh, you you mentioned how that Josie was supposed to be in the red room. Yes, but maybe she really is. She's in a world. She could be in both places. Both places. Yeah. So that takes you know that goes into the the meat stuff. Let's get into the meat. Um, I guess we can start off with uh, Mr. C and Gang. Okay, so we got to see Mr. C. It's interesting. Last episode, he woke up. We saw him sit up. Mm. He didn't have anything on him. I remember he didn't have blood or anything, but he's covered in blood, and he's got bullet wounds. Yes. But they don't seem to bother him much. Right. I mean, he got shot a couple he's, of times. I think the woodsman fixed him up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, they probably yeah. must have. Yeah. They still pulled pull the bullets out of him because they had a um, a bandage. They had, like, a uh, duffel bag full of uh, stuff to help him out. Mm. So it's like they're almost prepared for this. Like, yeah. they knew 
something could have go down and Mr. C could get hurt. Right. So it's interesting you bring up you you bring up his gang and Gary that, Hutchins and Yeah, he goes by Hutch, Hutch. and then and then Chanel uh, Hutchins. Which Chanel. We saw her in the beginning Chantel. of Chantel. Sorry. We met her in the beginning where um Cooper said, uh, Mr. C said the most uh disturbing thing ever before they <laughs> They did things, but she was Ooh, in you're ho- wet. Yeah, don't ever. She was. She was in. Um, I'm sorry, listeners. <laughs> she was in well, the hotel a, room next yeah, door. So part two. So I mean, yeah. it's amazing that it's taken seven parts to get back to the storyline. But in part, <laughs> David Lynch fashion and and Frost. Yeah. Yes. Part two. Um, Mr. C and and Chantel are in a, ho- a hotel room motel. Yeah. And he says, Mr. C says. Uh, I need you and your husband Hutch to go to a certain area in a few days. So, so we're a few days later. We're a few days later. They I don't know if this is the farm. It is a farm, but I don't know if it is the farm that Ray was talking about. Mm, maybe it looks they, like a maybe, ranch. It's a ranch. I mean, maybe they just keep on setting up these different areas. Because what happens, it seems like Hutch and Chantel kill the farmers and they mm-hmm. kind of like now this is their space for like headquarters or yeah yeah like yeah i agree but it's interesting that like it's clear that lynch and frost are setting things up they've set it up in part two and then it takes seven parts to finally get back to the part where yes it's been a few days and here yeah. we are it's six parts of dougie one part of the birth <laughs> of evil and now we're getting back to the story yeah a right? little, this, a little, <laughs> a little that, that a little crazy yeah <laughs> a little bomb here <laughs> <laughs> and we're back i mean um, so it's interesting. So Mr. C, they, he, he wants, a, he wants two burner phones and he wants guns. Mm. So, and they give him a monster truck. That truck was monstrous behind him. He's, <laughs> he's going to look so suspicious driving this thing around. Yeah. I mean, I was like, could they give him any more of a bigger truck? Um, so he, he's got this Mr. C mobile. <laughs> Man. And so interesting enough. He gets a burner phone. He he texts something to we don't know who at, at this time. Around the dinner table, the com- the conversation is lively. Mm. Now it's interesting. Where did your head go when you read that? I can tell you where mine went, but where did yours go when you saw that? What Anywhere? I heard that I thought like we're getting closer to to what the goal that we need to get to. I thought mm. that I don't know. I thought that it was something like, hey, things are happening. Things are in moving in, into place, and we're getting closer to like our that. goal. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I feel like he, I feel like Mr. T has a master plan, and he's got things. And we're now at the point where things are revving up. Yeah. Almost. What do you What do you take from that? I mean, it's weird. The first thing I thought of was first I thought about them at the at the diner around the table, but then I also thought about Firewalk with me mm. around the dinner table, around that table above the convenience store yeah. with all these. Different like souls up there, or what, Agent uh, Jeffries was that was his, where he went to the meeting and stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm like, it's interesting. It just reminded me of this. But in Twin Peaks fashion, there have been tons of conversations around the dinner table, mm-hmm. the Palmers, um, you know, Hayward's. the Horns, the Haywards. Sure. But I think for me, Firewalk with me. But I like what you just said. I kind of like that. It kind of it's it's cryptic saying. The, uh, things are getting close. Right. He's probably like, it's almost like his way. It's like, I'm at the, ne- I've, I've, without saying I'm at the, this farm and I'm now at my next, I'm, I'm going off to do my next thing. Like mm. to me that, I mean, that's what I'm interpreting to be, but so, um, we, do we want to go to the punchline since we're, we were, yeah, there? I mean, we can go straight to the punchline. So later on we find out 
Diane checks her phone in the plane. It says it's blocked, mm. probably because she's in a secured uh, plane. They don't want anything coming in or out right. digitally. And then she lands. They went at the morgue, and she looks at her phone, and she's the one to receive the text. Mm. And I was kind of floored. I mean, didn't so, see that coming. No, I didn't see that coming. What so do you is, think? Is she uh, is she a traitor? Like, is she? Mm. I mean, there's so much. I mean, <laughs> nah, I don't know. Like, could. Is it, is there any way, chance, possible that she has no idea what this message is? That it just comes to her, or did she, would she know who that is? She seemed to be wanting to check her messages True. up in the plane, yes. and then she finally got... Right. I think she chose not to see the body, so she had privacy. Yep, I agree. And, and then the next question, too, is then, like, does she know... That he's a doppelganger, that he's the evil Cooper, or could she still think that she trusts Dale Cooper with her life and she, whatever he needs from her, she will be there But for. what would have been that whole performance we saw when she meets Mr. I need to C. watch it again and wonder, could it be a cryptic message? Could it be some... Some without them knowing what they're talking about, but you're right. She seemed she seemed very passionate about it, and she goes, "He's not." I saw something missing right here, and she right. points to her chest. Yeah. What if? Okay, here here's a whole thing. What if this whole time she, he has been manipulating Diane? Diane's always been there for Cooper. She has no clue about any of this craziness. She just thinks it's Cooper. He he still has contact with her um she trusts him in a way but maybe she thinks the fbi is bad she thinks right. cooper's good yeah. she thinks they're being cro crooked maybe he's perceived them to be that way and i can have it she he, he he could think to himself i have someone in the inside that's with me um but maybe when diane saw cooper for maybe they haven't seen each other physically but they've message each other yeah i was thinking forth. that too yeah could, could she think she's talking to somebody else maybe she thinks she's talking to agent jeffries yeah like, could does she realize she's talking to mr c yeah so maybe she's not even being deceitful maybe she doesn't know i mean she could be undercover with agent jeffries and right, and not right. be like hey we have to keep our stuff quiet and stuff but yeah and maybe she saw cooper for the first time she told cole which i want to think is the truth mm. like she's very broken up she got this message and maybe she's just like, oh, I got this message. Ah, you know, if she doesn't say anything to Gordon Cole or anybody, then I don't know. Then I feel like there's something going on. But you said it. She was she was very much wanting to look at her phone several times, which made us yes. think that like she was she's, expecting something. Mm -hmm. She knows what day it is. She probably yeah. knows that this message will be coming soon. She's a traitor. You think so? I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to believe that. Me neither. Yeah. I feel like there's something going on. Yeah. I think. I, yeah. yeah. I love the actress, and I and I like the idea of Diane being, you know, good and there for Cooper. Yeah, I think there's something more to this. Yes. We're missing some pieces. I I think. Some I missing agree. pieces. Missing pieces. Um, so not only did he send us a text, but he calls Mr. Todd. Yes, I mean, I think we all thought that this was the case. I think we all thought Duncan Todd, who was in Las Vegas, who's getting these envelopes and sending them out. Mm -hmm. We all, th I think we all thought it was Mr. C. But this confirms it. This confirms the link that I'm, I'm guessing that the computer turning red square, yep, and all this yep, stuff yep. was all Mr. C. Basically, and even there was there was that whole scene where you know you don't want to, you don't want to. You don't want to meet a guy like this, and mm -hmm. so that, because there was a whole conversation about, oh, yeah, why do you do this stuff? <laughs> so here's a here's a crazy question: Is Mister C, which is this has been in the back of my mind for a while, is Mister C the one who owns that box? 
Is Mr. C the millionaire? I don't know. I want to say no. I keep thinking that like he he might be looking for the box. Like I keep wondering if that's what he's in searching for. I kind of feel like he's looking for coordinates for the Jack Rat. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that later. But the whole um, maybe that that whole thing with. Um, but I I don't know. Like I feel like that's a coordinate. You're, he's you're right though. For. I mean like he definitely. I mean from the picture like we we saw at one point in in, in one of the parts of Mr. C, there was a picture, and he seemed like he was wealthy. So he does, he probably does have money. Yeah, I mean, he was walking like a Malibu house and, or wherever he was. <laughs> right. And like, people made it into a Grand Theft Auto Vice City meme yes, online. Right, I mean, great. he has money. He seems like he probably has a lot of money. And so if he, He's yeah. a drug lord of some sorts. Yes. Yeah, and look at his car was really nice. I mean, he's got pull, he's got money. Yeah. I, but what, it's been what, bugging what me. What purpose would it, I wonder... Would he want well, that box if he if, if it was he him. could capture Cooper or capture anybody yeah. that could give him the information? He was in New mother, York. Yeah, he was in New York. Remember, um, some who who said I missed yeah, you in so New well, York? Fake uh, Agent Jeffries when he was on the phone yeah. says I missed you in, you in New, New York. York. Right? Yes. You're so, right. It could be. I, I it's been bothering me. I'm probably wrong, but I just my feeling is Mr. C is the person who owns that box. You're probably right. Um. So Mr. Todd is told um, that he has to kill. Oh, he asked, he asked Mr. Todd, is, has he done it yet? And he and he goes, if you haven't, it needs to be done. But Next by, time I call you. Right? Yes. And then he mentions something about um, after he gets off the phone, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, he tells Hutch to kill the warden. He says, I don't care if he's coming home, going, he, he's got to kill the warden. Right. So th- they got a mission to kill the warden. And then he goes, I got a double header in Vegas. Yes. Now. Two kills. It made me think, Dougie, Jane E, or Ike. He doesn't know Ike's arrested. We know Ike gets, can, uh, finally gets nailed this episode. Is it a double header in Vegas? Could it be Todd? Could it be? Yes, I would say it would be Todd and, and it would Ike? be Dougie Cooper. Mm. Those two people. It seems or to- maybe is it Dougie Cooper, and that's a doubleheader. Nah, nah, you don't want to go that way? You don't think? It's nah. so many two ways. Two birds with one stone. stone? Nah. Uh, I mean, nah. it really is. I, I, and I, it's always, I hate saying Dougie Cooper because I believe the, the real Dougie has been destroyed in the red red room. You know, like mm-hmm, he turned mm-hmm. into that golden marble. So it really is just Cooper. There's no like quantum leap. There's no Cooper is qu- leaping into different bodies. That is Cooper. So just I, trying to become himself again. Right. Yeah, trying to come out. Yeah. So I, th- I really think that it was probably Cooper and... And Todd. Just mm. to, and I think everything else is kind of cleaning itself up. Ike okay. is going to be arrested. And yeah, well, yeah, uh, we can go into that real quick. Ike is arrested, we know. And I, I'm like, it was kind of sad to see that character go. <laughs> I, I was kind of hoping a little bit more. Oh, you enjoyed that? Yeah. And I, the comical gigantic bandage on his little arm was yes. very comical. And, and, they, and they and they kept it from us the whole time until he put his hands up. up. So Yes, yes. Yeah. So with Ike, I, there was a couple of things I liked. I loved that he went, aww, or yeah. it, was, it was like a groan, <laughs> yeah, or aww. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, so then the cops, they say, um, we have your palm print. As a matter of fact, we have your whole palm. <laughs> and we yes. had the burnt, the burnt flesh yeah, from yeah. the gun. But I thought that, somehow I didn't get that the person was like, oh yeah, the, the burnt palm. They, they <laughs> took a whole chunk off of his gun. Yeah. That gun had a huge, uh, like. You had, have your whole palm. Yeah. Um, and it was great because they knew who Ike the Spike was. They, this guy obviously was. 
He's on their on their he's on the radar. Uh, yeah, they're a radar. He, he seems like he's somebody's in trouble, but they never really caught him. Yeah, so that's cool. Um, but one thing I I wanted to talk about briefly before we get away from Mr. C and his gang. Um, it, Chantel, is it Chantel? Chantel. Chantel. She gives Mr. C a kiss. It was kind of odd because you know you had Hutch. Well, her husband Hutch has actually said, "Hey, give her a wet one." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give him a wet, wet one. one. Yeah, it was just like awkward because he's standing there while they're kissing. But did you notice she gives him another small bag of cheese-related <laughs> snacks? Cheetos, Cheetos, or cheese crisps, or cheese doodles? I don't know. But it's a callback to the episode part one or two. Two. There is cheese uh, packages packages in the in the hotel motel whatever it is motel. Now is this like does he need this for fuel? What is up with this? I guess he likes junk food. I really want to hear. There will be drinking. Do fan fiction about Mr. C oh. and his cheese addiction. <laughs> <laughs> I I I'm like, what does this have to? He it, says, you know, he doesn't need anything, but he, he wants. wants <laughs> he wants those cheese snacks at all times. Yes. I, I didn't get it. Like, I don't get this. Is this I know, something I to do with it, cream corn? Oh, you do realize that uh, it is a corn product, right? Yes, but it's artificial. <laughs> yes. It's all junk. Wow, you just blew my mind nah, right now. What? The cream corn, <laughs> and he's eating cheese snacks. Wow. And Gordon Cole had a picture of a corn cob behind his head. Right? Oh. <laughs> I connecting the dots on this. No, I, I really want to know the whole cheese doodle thing. Uh, I don't know if anybody has any uh, thoughts. Please uh, send us an email. To he needs to eat, laps. even though he says he doesn't need anything. He needs to have some kind of food, and that's yeah. his choice. And Dougie was addicted to eating chips. That was weird too. He's oh eat, yeah, kept eating those chips. Right. Like he was, and yet another. It's another corn product. That's funny. Yeah, weird. Anyway, that's all I had about the uh, Mr. Cena's gang. Um, so, I guess we can go to uh, Gordon Cole on the plane. They get a phone call from Colonel Davis that they have Mr. Briggs's body. They get, mm. This is the first phone call. And I love that Cole thinks that he's swearing him at first by the name of it. Yes. Uh, that was great. I love it. Uh, and then they also get a phone call from the warden saying that Coop has flown the Coop. What? What? So that, I, I thought maybe they were in it, in it together. I thought maybe they had planned the whole thing. And it's like, oh, kind of like the whole thing where it's like, we're not going to listen to your phone call. And then they listen to the phone call. Uh-huh. So I thought maybe Cole and the warden, warden was in it together. But clearly the warden was working on his own and let Mr. C go. But I, I also feel like the warning put that gun in there with no with blanks. And he, I feel he had to give Ray the gun too. Yeah, so I don't yeah. Know how that? Yeah, it's weird. But also the warden is doing crooked things mm. that uh, Mister C knew about. So obviously the warden has his own agenda. I don't right. think he's going to be totally honest with everybody. He's kind of a skis ball himself. So I, I, yeah, we don't know his whole backstory. Um. Also, Gordon, Albert, and Diane, and Tammy, they all go to Buckhorn to see the body. And I like how uh, Diane says, like the blue, ro- like a blue rose case. So this is like a mention of the blue rose right, case. Right, so she's been involved with it. I mean, probably because she would get the tapes from Cooper or something like that. But yeah. she is aware of the blue rose cases. Yeah. Like that. So it's kind of cool to hear it's that. Cool. Yeah. 
And I, I thought Tammy uh, had a pretty good part this episode. I like her character. She's all right. She's all right. Yeah, yeah I mean, cool. I mean, they don't give her, I mean, they haven't given her a big meaty thing yet, but overall, I think she's a fine FBI agent so far. Yeah, she's okay. <laughs> she's all right. Um, I mean, I think she's. it's fun to watch. I mean, there's a point where there's the whole smoking thing. <laughs> I thought it was fun to see her posturing and going and trying to respond. And I, that went on for a long period of time of like... <laughs> you know what I got out of that? I almost feel like Tammy wanted to say something, but she knew she would be out of line. And she's not... She's the pecking order. She's kind of pro- probably lower. Mm-hmm. So you have Diane, who doesn't give a shit about anybody. Right. And then you have Gordon Cole, who is just like... I really want to smoke that cigarette. Mm-hmm. And Tammy's just there. I think you almost feel like Tammy wants to talk business, but I almost feel like she could be suspicious of Diane. Hmm. Because Diane was pretending to be sleeping when Tammy was saying information. I mean, all this information was being said out loud, and you have Diane and Albert sleeping. Right. I don't think Diane was really sleeping. I think she if was not, She woke up and then she was listening. Yeah, she yeah. was listening to the whole thing. Because when she gave it to Cole, the phone, she's like, shh, because they right. were sleeping. And he, what? And he starts yelling. <laughs> um, it was an interesting scene. It was kind of a callback. You know, not a lot of people are smoking, but Diane's smoking like a chimney. Right. Because she's nervous, I think. This could go back to where does she lie with this whole situation. Yep. Yeah. She could get caught out. I mean, when... One wrong move, they could be like, Diane, what's going on? I mean, they could easily search her di- her digital trackings, like emails sure. and stuff. The funny thing is, is that she was annoyed that she had to keep coming along with them. It's funny that she'd be annoyed, and yet if she's a spy, you think she'd want to go along and find out what's like going on. I think it's like a front. On. I think it's a front, because if yeah. she's constantly annoyed, they're not going to think twice. But if she was eager to go, mm-hmm. maybe they'd be like, wow, how does Mr. C know everything? Right. Oh, it could be her. Um... So this so is where we, Diane gets the message. Yeah. Yeah. And so they go they go back to south. Where is it? Buckhorn. They go to Buckhorn. Right. To see the body. Um, they, they arrive south at the Dakota, morgue. Though, yeah, yeah, South Dakota. They arrive at the morgue. That's where Diane gets the text message. Um, and we learn that Hastings' lawyer got pinned for the murder of his wife. Which Mr. C set up all along. He actually had George's gun and shot the wife with Right that. in the head. Right, but he had George's, the lawyer's yes. gun, so he had planned it all along. Everything seems to be working out for Mr. C the way he planned it. So he, mm. And they did have an affair. George, the lawyer, and the and the wife were having an affair together. So that it was all pinned very neatly tied together. Yeah. So yeah, we were getting a little bit of information uh, as as the police are kind of catching up, Albert and Albert saying, <laughs> uh, "What's going to happen in, in season, season two? two. Yeah. yeah. Well, we also learned that his secretary was killed when her car blew up. Yeah. So you mentioned the secretary. The secretary's name was Betty, which I thought it was going to be Betty Briggs, which actually we do see Betty Briggs yeah, in this yeah. episode. But uh, it's interesting. I feel like that must be Jack. You know, Jack was the guy who. Would would, would put bombs. Yes. I, I don't remember if he was doing that when Cooper smushed his face, but he was he was uh, somebody who did bombs. Mm-hmm. I think, that he, or he put stuff in cars. Yeah, and don't forget, we had Dougie's car blow up, too, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Um, and we also learned that Hastings' blog, The Zone, they met the major, which is this... Um, this part of the episode... 
blew me away. I mean, as much as Laura Palmer's death connected the town, mm. I kind of feel like this is the Major Briggs story. This is his death has connected and has bringing all these people together. I kind of feel like this is like who killed Major Briggs. Oh yeah. Right? I mean, it's kind of like the major one of the major story points of this. I mean, True. the Dougie stuff and Mr. C stuff, but Major Briggs is the um maybe the center of the universe on this season. Yeah. I mean, what do you get out of it? I mean, I think I think we always thought Major Briggs was going to be a big part of this of uh, season 3, and especially cuz he was always, he was told uh, I'm in the Black Lodge with with Dale Cooper. So we were always led to believe that Major Briggs was going to look into into the Black Lodge. Yeah. So in, they kind of made it so that he did. I mean, we're hearing a story where he seems like he maybe he went into another dimension and is... And he was hiding, uh, hi- hibernating? Hibernating. Or... and hi- Yeah, hiding and hibernating. hibernating. And I was wondering, is like, who is he hibernating, hiding from? Mm. Was it, first, I would think Mr. C, but the more I think about it, I'm still on this this idea that there's the mother, the, uh, the was he, monster. Was he hiding from the mother? Yes, the, that, that monster creature from the bomb, from the glass box. Yeah, here's an interesting thing. Well, I'll get into it later because we're going to talk about that later. Um, but the but blog. Did, did it relate to the mother? Do you want to get No, into- no, oh. no, I'll wait. But the mother, I mean, not the mother, uh, Hastings' webpage, we learned that it was, this is something he created with the secretary. Um, what was her name? Linda? Ruth. Ruth, sorry. Ruth. And. They were they got into this together. They are very um, into this whole dimensions and everything like that. They got too deep, and she was good at getting information. Yes, I don't know if that means she hacks or what she would do, but right, they were very into multi dimension time travel, dark matter, afterlife. They were very much into it. So there's a blog out there. There's an actual the search for the zone dot com. And it's so. Early internet days. Yes. I love well, it. Well, the thing is, here's an interesting thing. It actually was a really night. Uh, no, tw- was it 2017? No, I'm sorry. That's this year. 1997 was when they first put out this this website. And that was Dougie's. Uh, they said we have no information of Dougie beyond that. Right. Is Before that coincidence? That. Is it coi- it's not coincidence. <laughs> I think there's something there. Yes. So the, his blog started in 1997, maybe when he started seeing strange things happening. Yeah. And Dougie shows up in that time period. Mm-hmm. Dougie shows up. Right. And there's a lot. I would definitely recommend people check this out. There's a lot going on on this blog. I mean, there's audio clips. There's strange video clip. Um, Welcome to Twin Peaks. Uh, website has all kinds of information where if you look at this uh, visitor account it actually uh, it actually is going down when you refresh the page you'll realize that you're getting less people showing up and it's actually yeah people are saying that it's counting down to the final episode yes yes, yes. and i actually did I, I wanted you know i always want to make sure for myself so i actually did calculate it and say okay if you do so many minutes yeah. and turn that into days and you realize it really does show up as september 3rd the day, the last episode of the series wow. or season. So in some way, we're going back in time. I mean, this what are you page, saying? We're, that doesn't mean we're going to go back to nineteen. Well, the visitor account's going backwards. Oh, that's interesting. You know? Oh, I don't uh, want to. Uh, I know there's all this talk about time and stuff, but I don't. Different dimensions. Uh, but I had a thought. So, you know, in, I mean, we'll go into this part of the show where. 
Charlotte Stewart shows up as Mrs. Briggs. Oh, I want to talk about. Are we talk, let's talk about the blog and. Just, yeah, let's talk about the blog just for a little bit longer. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it I don't seems like it's, it. it is changing. Like this is a new. I mean, it seems like every once in a while there's new things happening. Like there was a there's a guest book, and you could actually post and leave things, and then they just. They, they turned it off. But I do, I think it's something that we should visit over again because it seems like people are making changes to this website. Oh. But I was able to leave something where I was like, the owls are not what they seem and yeah, it, it yeah. showed up and now all of a sudden they've it's, taken it off. But Interesting. Right. So I do, I definitely recommend people check this out. I'm trying to think if there's any other interesting. So other things is it's connected to the soundtrack. So there's some links that are connected yeah, to the I mean, Twin Peaks they're, sound. It's they're advertising the soundtrack. But right. it's so cool. This is the web this is the kind of stuff I grew up on, how it was just cheesy backgrounds yes. and uh horrible like uh just pictures and stupid stuff. What pages don't look at this anymore? And yes. I miss this look. I actually think when uh X-Files first came out. I think it was like, what year was that? X-Files was like 93. Yeah. I would go to websites that were just like this. I need more information about the mythology of X-Files. And it's so cool that they're kind of calling out blogger, you know, people who did that kind of stuff. And they did a cool job. Yeah. Whoever put this together. So I guess that's it. I mean, I would definitely recommend people check it out. Yeah. The search for the zone.com, and that is uh, the principal Bill Hastings website. Yes, it's Very awesome. Cool. You could spend hours on that thing. Do you want to get into Betty Briggs? Yeah, uh, let's get into Mrs. Briggs. Um, very awesome and touching moment. I mean, we get to see her, it was so cool. Yes, and the boys show up. You got Hawk, you got. Um, Frank Truman, Frank Truman, and Bobby, Bobby Briggs. Briggs, and she, and you know, she's like, uh, Major Briggs said this is going to happen. Yes, she yes. knew. She knew the. She knew that Truman, and she's saying she didn't realize it would be Frank Truman, but mm-hmm. she said Truman would be there, Bobby would be there, and Hawk would be there. Yes, so, so cool that that Major Briggs behind the scene, behind the scenes, somehow he knew some. He has been there before. I feel he's a time traveler. Maybe, or he, he saw or something. He saw something. He saw something in his dream, and this really makes reminds me of the time where he sits down with Bobby back in the original series, and he says, "I had a dream about you and your future, and things are going to work out." And I feel another like callback. Yeah, yeah. Callback. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like that whole scene was even when they get to the point of the chair, and they kind of she looks at say, so uh, Betty Briggs says to her son, "You weren't ready at the time, but you've become a great man now, and you are ready now." And so, but it was. I know it was a really sweet. It was, it was a sweet thing. She basically saying, "Your father knew that you were going to turn out all right. You did turn out all right." Yeah. yeah. I'm still waiting for. I don't think we've talked about this, but I still believe one of these episodes, uh, we're going to see Bobby Briggs come home, and there will be Shelly, and they'll be married, and they'll be happy, and and I'll be and everything will all work out. I don't know about ah, that. No. I don't think Shelly and Bobby <laughs> are married. You were such a downer. I know. I don't think that's going to be. Are. They are. Everything is fine with them. It's no, all worked out. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Don't think so. What's wrong with Shelly and Bobby? I don't think Shelly's with Bobby. I think Shelly's with someone else. Wow. Because Shelly likes the bad boys. Bobby ain't a bad boy anymore. He's a cop. I'll take it. I'll spin it the other way. She married a... She actually ended up with a good boy, but she's antsy now, and she wishes she kind of still thinks about being with bad boys. Ooh. (laughs) Well, we'll get back to that. We'll get back to that. But I like to believe part of uh, Bobby's life working out was that he actually did... Marry the woman that he loved, mm. but we'll see. I'm, yeah, you see, I'm a hopelessly romantic. But I also feel with their relationship, there was drama. 
So maybe when they were happy, they need then, some Leo. They need they, some they, Leo in their life <laughs> to keep them together. Uh, but that, so this is a great scene though with Betty Briggs that that she's saying, "Hey, I expected you to be here," and and Major Briggs has something that he wanted me to give to you. Yeah, and it's in the chair. And she goes, "I can't believe <laughs> the title of the show." Show, and she's like, "I can't believe." This day would come, you know, and she opens up the top of the chair, and there's a silver tube. We, we don't know what it's like a, a metal a metal tube, and we don't know what it is. And she gives it to them, and um, then they have coffee. Then later on, they show up back at the sheriff's department, and they go in the conference. They go in the conference room, right. and Chad is there. Chad yet again <laughs> is there because. Hawk was trying to go, and Hawk was in the bathroom trying to tear off a door, and Chad shows up with coffee and a book. Like, what are you doing in the bathroom that takes that long to drink a coffee and a book? And then they go into the conference room, and Chad's eating two Hungry Man dinners, what it looks like, coffee and some corn product, I don't know, corn chowder, and like they're just staring at him like, you can't have lunch in here. I love it. I saw somebody posted somewhere where they had like a whole Thanksgiving dinner. Like, <laughs> so, I should have retweeted it. I really should have. Oh, that's it was, awesome. It was really funny. It was like Norman Rockwell, like, picture. Nice. Like the, and there's Chad. A farmer and his wife, and they're putting out the Thanksgiving dinner. And there's Chad, Chad eating this <laughs> napkin. Like, oh! And he's such a goon. Uh, this guy, but it's also odd that he he's always there eating or drinking and being a. Getting in the way of yep. something makes me feel like, because we know he's kind of crooked. Mm-hmm. So I, I always want to know he's kind of like listening and seeing what's going on to use that for his, yeah for something. Whoever he's working with. Maybe that drug guy we saw a couple episodes back. We know he's kind of part of that game right. anyway. Um, so he leaves. That was awkward. And it's so funny because, you know... They're trying to open the tube, and Bobby goes, oh, I know how to open that. And they go, you do? Yeah, we got to go back outside. I'm like, what? This is Bobby Briggs' hour. This is his moment. Like, but this was is- he playing with them? Like, we're going to go in. You guys can't open that. I yes, know open- you see that big grin? Yes. Like he, and, and Frank Truman calls him out on it. It's like, you've been playing us. You knew all along what that was and stuff. Yeah. What a jerk. Bobby's still Bobby. <laughs> I thought it was sweet. Yeah. I thought it was great. I thought it was really cool to like. It's like I got, I'm going to make you guys, you know, uh, squirm a little bit, try and be, you know, figure this out, and figure then I'll finally out. let you know what it is. Yeah. So, yeah. so he slams it on the ground, and you hear the hum, and that hum sounds just like uh, to me sounds like the hum that we hear in, in the Great Northern. The, the Great Northern. Yeah, Beverly and, and uh, Benjamin. I'm like, ooh, what if the Great Northern's inside that? It's a world inside that. We live inside a dream. We live inside a dream. <laughs> Something like that. So that was cool. And then he slams it yet again, and they open it up, and you got two pieces of paper. And one of them, I was kind, I kind of knew we were going to see that, but the first one is very interesting. This is where time gets weird, I think. Mm-hmm. The timeline between Twin Peaks World and the timeline with North Dakota. South Dakota. South Dakota. Sorry, South Dakota. It, it gets a little weird, wonky. Well, right. So South Dakota is is in September, and when we get this piece of paper, we realize that we're in October. Cause it's well, few- it's two days before, because Bobby says that's in two days. So oh, right. October 1st and 2nd is in two days, Twin Peaks time. So they're still in September. Ah. They're just 
they're just like two days before. I always assumed for this whole series that we weren't all in the same time. Yeah. I just assumed that like we could be all over the place. Like yeah. I wasn't sure for the longest time if Dougie was even in the same year. Like, it, yeah, I know. That's interesting too. We don't. What year? I mean, there's. We should be in. I think we really should be in year 2015. Yes. That would make it to be 25 years after 1989. So mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, that think... should be the year we're in, but who knows? Yeah. <laughs> like you don't yeah. know. Yeah, right. So that's an interesting thing. So yeah, they, there's two pieces of paper. One of them I think is the 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 space garbage with Cooper, Cooper, Cooper. The owls are not what they seem, mm-hmm, or something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. And then the other piece of paper is all kinds of stuff. We have like looks like mountain triangle shapes. We have well the Twin Peaks, the Twin Peaks, right? Yeah, the Twin Peaks, and then oh, like I a believe... red moon. A red moon, and then maybe uh, like, uh, like a uh, crescent moon. Yeah, and then the mother symbol above. Right. So that card, that that card, that ace of spades that Mr. C was showing mm-hmm. is it Daria, not Daria. Yeah, yeah, yep. Daria. He, yep. He's like, do you know what this is? And she didn't know what he was talking about. It does seem like oh, I want to believe that it is the the monster, the mother, the experiment, <laughs> the experiment model yeah. that we're all calling mm-hmm. this creature. And then. We also have a time, 2.53, uh, 10, 1, 10, 2. And then it's also that same time is the same distance from Jack Rabbit's place. It says um, east yards. It's, you know, 253 yards east of Jack Rabbit's place, which is yeah. interesting. And I looked into this. So get this. Um the arm mentions 253, hmm. and the switch between Cooper and Dougie was at 253. Ah. So, interesting. Yeah, Very. 253, yet again, is another big number. Right. It's weird. We had the 430. That seemed to kind of play out with the atomic bomb. Right. Um, so, I don't know what this is going to... You know, 253 means something. I... This makes me all think about like from second season and about how you have to be in the right the right time mm-hmm. and when uh, Saturn and Ju- Jupiter and Saturn yeah. meet and everything has to happen that the gate will open and I yeah. I do wonder if this is all about dimension will you have to be in this place at the right time to be able to and when you they show us the old picture from uh, second season with the space garbage as you say it and says Cooper Cooper mm-hmm. now we know there's two Coopers that's why it says Cooper Cooper I think but I think there was three Coopers though wasn't it Cooper, yes Cooper Cooper, Cooper Cooper and I think that means well there's three Coopers in a way I mean you have Mr C Cooper and Dougie yeah I guess if yeah, you want to sure. go that way right but the interesting part do you think Major Briggs is the one who being in a different dimension, saw this or had a premonition or knew this, and he's the one that gave himself this message. Cooper, I think that'd be awesome. Well, well sure. I mean, because it seems right. like Major Briggs is giving people all these clues in the future. Yes. What if he's the one who gave himself that? In the, the log lady says, "Deliver the message." Yeah, right. Yeah, and, or maybe he was delivering it twice. I mean, Annie, right. oh, yeah. Annie delivered the message yes. from a different time. Right. So I wh- like that. I can buy that. And. We learned that from the interrogation room, Hastings says that uh, Briggs starts rising and he says, Cooper, Cooper, Mm. and his head disappears. So what if that is the message that Major Briggs receives, Mm. but Major, maybe Major Briggs perceived himself. Love it. Something could happen to him. Right. 
I love it. Uh, I don't know. It works. My mind hurts from all that. So it's the whole thing about Jackrabbit. Uh, Frank Truman and Hawk don't know of a place called Jackrabbit. And again, Bobby Briggs steps up and says this was a place that he invented when he was a child. It's an imaginary place that him and his father kind of hung out and did. And, like, I love that, like, these these messages that, that Major Briggs is giving only – his son would know about. Only yes. his son would know how to open this thing, and and the only one he would know about Jack. And Rabbit. he knew his son was going to be in this position, right. To maybe receive these messages, and that's what I'm saying. Like Major Briggs is just like sending stuff out into the universe. It's I don't know. Very it's cool. crazy. Yes. And that's why I think he's he's the center of he's bringing everybody together. Yeah. Somehow, I, this makes me think about. So when we get to the police station in South Dakota. Oh, actually, no. I don't know if I want to go there. Well, how do you? Th- do we we don't really know how he died, do we? We don't know how Major Briggs. All we know is he lost his head, which I think Mr. C did. I, I think Mr. C cut up his head. And I would think that it's the monster. Uh, well, we... I think the monster would have a better job of cutting off Ruth's head and cutting off the head of Major Briggs. Like I feel like they were in this dimension mm. with Principal Hastings, and the monster came and got them. But we've seen the monster suck the brains out of two peoples. Does does the monster hold finesse to cut off someone's head? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Right. Like we've seen it act animalistic. Mm. How would how would this monster clean cut someone's head off? That's fair. Okay, and put a head on top of it. I right. feel it's deliberate, almost deliberate enough to throw someone off. Mm. Because where's Major Briggs's head? Yes. <laughs> and the last time we saw his head was it was floating in space. In space. <laughs> yes, that's great. You could be right. You could be Mr. And we do know Mr. C did meet up with Major Briggs. And I also mentioned it in Secret History of Twin Peaks, the book there, that that they had a meeting. Yeah, and we also learned that, you know, Gordon Cole and Albert, they think they thought Major Briggs had died in a fire twenty five years ago. Mm. And the last person to see him was Mr. C. So it all goes back to it's Mr. C. It goes back to Mr. C. They all they're putting the clues together, which is great. I think this this episode's like people are getting the the clues. Mm. You know, the clues are coming together, and right. uh, oh, you know, fingers are being pointed at different people. Yep, which is cool. And at that morgue, I thought that it was nice to see Albert seem to be flirting with the uh, <laughs> the person doing the autopsy. That girl, yeah, so yeah. I thought that was nice. Yeah, yeah, Sweet that was touch. cool. And then he's like. Can anybody oh, can anybody say fruitcake or something? I don't know. Well, fruitcake about uh, Principal Hastings, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah I mean, again, uh, boy, the acting uh, is has been a great. I mean, I thought that was a great scene and the freaking out and saying, "Oh, we wanted to go away and go scuba diving." Yeah, I, mean, I know, but he sees Major Briggs being decapitated. Mm-hmm. But I wonder, Major Briggs was decapitated in a different realm. Because he said his head disappears and things come out and it's the most beautiful thing. But then he realizes that he's dead. Hmm. So I almost pictured Major Briggs doing what the giant did. Because he said he raised up and yeah. things came out and he said, Cooper, Cooper. Do you know? Right. And, again, and are we sure this wasn't a dream? Because it's funny, when, when but way back in, I want to say part two... Hastings talked about dreaming about there was a death. Remember, like he 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 said that like I never was in her house or in her apartment. I had a dream about it, and then I maybe woke he up was and, covering. Maybe he didn't want to tell the truth because right, now he's he, telling the truth. 
Maybe, but we do know that dream that we sometimes in dreams we go mm, to other places. That's like, true. Like Laura's gone to other places in her dreams, and yeah, I mean, I can only say that maybe when he's talking to his wife, she's gonna think he's batshit crazy if he just starts saying the truth. But yeah, maybe but he pretty, I don't know. He seemed pretty serious to me when he was saying he, he, I only dreamt it. But yeah, but now he's talking to them and he knows that. Uh, he's in big trouble, and maybe he just has this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it all out there. Please mm. believe me. Please believe me. You know. Right. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Maybe he perceived it as a dream, but now that he's thinking about it, now he's like, maybe it was real. I don't know what real. I don't know the difference between reality anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe. And where do you think they they went? Then <laughs> did they go to the White Lodge? Did they go somewhere in between? Did they go? Black. I, yeah, I, I think they went to a lodge of some sort. Right, or like know. what we call that purple world uh, water. I mean, who knows? Yeah, who knows? I think he went to a lodge, and Major Briggs, for some reason, was... He wanted coordinates. Yet again, coordinates come up. Is mm. this the coordinates Mr. C wants? They got it from the military. They gave it to him. Hmm. And then he does this ritual thing. He does this thing when he raises up, says, Cooper, Cooper, his head disappears, he's dead. So... Yeah, who took his head, and uh, what were these coordinates, and are these the same coordinates that Mr. C's looking for, and are these the coordinates that we just got from Major Briggs in that little metal tube? But that would make no sense, because obviously Major Briggs, why would he ask for the coordinates if he already had them? Mm. So I kind of feel like this is two separate things. Right. These are two... Yeah, why would he ask them... To go to the military to get coordinates if he already knew them. Yeah. Or Major Briggs asked for these coordinates, wrote them down, um, and those are the same coordinates that he left Bobby. I don't know. I mean, there might be. There seems like it could be a couple you different things that, happening. At yeah. Once. I mean, yeah. are they are they the same? That he's he's um, passing on. I think the coordinates come out to be. I don't know if this is Welcome to Twin Peaks or who figured this out, but I think those coordinates actually end up to be the forest, like um, a, a, a local forest area, and that, which makes me again think that could there be another dimension that this leads to? And do you think that same forest is where Jerry Horn is, where his <laughs> foot toxins is? I'm not your foot. See, there's another uh, a very short piece. Well, yeah, uh, but I bring that up now because I'm wondering because he has a high pitched voice. I'm not your foot. <laughs> what if a little man from another place? Yeah, there. what if Jerry Horn, the arm, uh, the arm's cousin, the, the, foot. the foot, the foot, my left what was my right foot. Oh. Um, what if Jerry Horn is so high? How high is he? He's so high. How high? <laughs> he's so high that he stumbles upon something, and he's part of it. But maybe he's so high he sees it happening. And he, he bugs out Man. because he's so messed up. Because I feel like they're, they they got to be going somewhere with this little side story. You think so? Yeah. He's going to run into something or they're going to show up and he's just going to be like, these drugs are, you know, like I'm going to quit drugs because this is too much. I don't know. I feel like some comical thing is going to happen with Jerry. So I found this on welcome to twinpeaks.com and there's coordinates at the bottom of the blog and those coordinates actually end up to be uh, Black Hills National Forest in South Dakota, Spearfish, Ooh. is the location. But again, 
I keep thinking it's it, it takes us to another dimension, but this mm-hmm. isn't even in Twin Peaks. This is South Dakota. South Dakota, but they, and this is related to ha- Principal Hastings. This explains well why we're in South Dakota, right? Yeah. So um, and again, they're, they're, they are linking. I love how the, we're connecting things. You know, we have Cole, and he gets a call, and now he's in South Dakota. So he's now now they're they're they're, they're merging together here. Mm-hmm. These separate storylines that we said, oh my gosh, this. This principal thing has nothing to do with Twin Peaks. And or so you know, we thought. We thought. And now all of a sudden... It does. It, yeah. It has to do with Major Briggs. And then we have... Yeah, we have bodies that are... You know, what do they have to do with anything? And yeah, it's interesting to see it all coming together. Yeah. And um, I guess, lastly, is uh, Dougie and Janie. Um, we, we, we learned some history about Doug. We learned that he's... He worked. He, he worked uh, for Bushnell for twelve years. Yeah, and he was in a car accident, mm. and then he gets like these episodes, and that explains why Janie said, "Are you having one of these episodes again?" Right. The car accident. Right. So it's not. It's not abnormal, probably, that he's slow and that there's some issues. That yeah. Something happened. Right. A brain injury, maybe. And I, it's, what is it with all these accidents? We have James who had a motorcycle accident. We seem like <laughs> accident prone. Yes. Right. Um. Also, you know, the, the three detectives, the three stooges there, uh, they, they're they really on the case. They're like, you know, is he in the witness protection program? Why mm. does he not exist before 97? Yes. He doesn't have Social Security? Now, it's interesting. How the hell has he been married to someone for this long and they don't file taxes? She does it all. She she probably takes care but of it But he doesn't all. have a Social Security number. Uh, I don't know. She makes it. Uh, she She figures it all out. I guess she must. She barks and people listen. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. So it's interesting. They get the DNA and fingerprints from him from the coffee cup. Right. He gives him another. They give uh, Cooper another coffee cup and they take the, his cup. Yeah. It's just so wrong. And, and they give him to another officer and he's going to process it. And at the same time, they find out about Ike. But it. So we know that in, in, in one more day, Dougie's going to the doctors. We also find out that they're going to process this cup. So things are going to happen the next day for Dougie. Some major things could I, happen. I, I feel like every I feel like every part we're like the next one because we still because then his boss is like I'm giving you the day off so you can come in tomorrow and we'll get to the answers and of course I'm thinking oh you're gonna answer, finally answer about that bad uh, coworker and you're gonna you're gonna basically finish up that storyline of his work. probably not. <laughs> oh. But we got to see Cooper look at the American flag. Before we get there, yeah, there's one other storyline that is linking to Dougie's storyline. Mm-hmm. So we're at the we're at the um, police station or the morgue area, and uh, morgue attendant, yeah, she says, "Oh, and I found this ring." Yes, uh, Dougie and loves you know that that whole wedding ring yep. that she has, and it seems like Gordon Cole kind of kind of brushes it off as though we got to talk about other things. It's like, oh, but that's crucial that 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 ring is going to link you back to. Cooper. It is stuff. odd they would ignore such they a... They kind of ignored it. Like, oh, it's a ring. But it's like, you do know how important rings are. Yes, and but, it was in his stomach. But to me, it was kind of like, oh, this is going to take a little longer. Now we're going to have to wait. We're going to have to wait for Cooper's fingerprints. And then when they get the fingerprints, they're going to link to the ring. And it'll, uh-huh. all, it'll all come together. But yes. it's just one step closer to Gordon Cole finding yeah, the good Cooper. Exactly. Yeah, he sees the American flag. And then a can, woman can, walks oh, by. Can, well, I want to stop with that American flag for a bit because yeah, I think yeah, that yeah. American flag is very important. That is a symbol of our country. 
Uh-huh. It's a patriotic thing. We just had the 4th of July. They, if they had done it last week, it could have been very uh, patriotic. Yeah, and, yeah. And for Cooper, though, for Cooper, you know, he's a government man. He's somebody that's very lawful. He believes Boy in Scout. his country. Boy Scout. He believes in his country. So you have this music of American, the beautiful. And mm-hmm. I feel like he's very moved by that symbol of the flag. And he understands how important that symbol is to our country. Mm-hmm. And now you can go. And, and then he sees a pair of legs attached to red shoes yes. walking by. And. It brought back memories of maybe Audrey maybe. wearing those red shoes. And I want to touch on that some more, but before I get there, I want to tell you my first two thoughts I had about that before I even thought about Audrey. Mm-hmm. My first thought was the Wizard of Oz, mm-hmm. that these, these, these ruby slippers. Ruby slippers, these. Again, he's thinking about his shoes and he sees this outlet and he says, My shoes got stuck on the other side of this outlet and I need my shoes to go home. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I thought yep. that my second thought, which still hasn't gotten to Audrey, which I love Audrey and I have got my second thought was why didn't why didn't his wife start yelling at him? Like, what are you looking at that lady's legs for? Yeah. <laughs> I think that would have been so comical if she said, You're already in enough trouble with Jade. Now you're gonna look at some lady's legs. But she was very that, quiet. Very quiet. But yeah. I thought that would have been a perfect moment for her to like smack him and be like, how dare you? Yeah, you know, I still I still think that this is a different dimension. Dougie does not exist in the real world. Uh, I still believe it. I thought it. you gave that, I thought we were I thought we were texting back and forth uh, and you gave that up. It's I swear so... I wish I, I've only we had gotten to him a few days ago because I swear it was like yesterday, the day before, you and I were texting I know. and you said, I'm giving up on the dream theory. I, here's why I still believe it could be true. All right. Let me give you a, oh, let, me, let me give you We my, are going to go back to Audrey, but tell me about you, why you think it's a dream. I think, not a dream. I think it's a, I think it's a barrier. I think it's a subconscious um, stronghold that Mr. C put up that won't allow Cooper to come back to take control, to come back and take control of his body. And I know a lot of the evidence could show that I am totally wrong. I hold out that this could possibly be true because when Mr. C says I got a doubleheader in Vegas, I think he's I think he's talking about Ike and I also think he's talking about Mr. Todd. But Ike gets arrested. We don't even have a But person. he doesn't know that. How did Mr. Yeah. C know he got arrested? And and Mr. Todd, Mr. Todd's not doing his job. Yep. And I think I think Mr. C is like if he can't do his job um, he's, he's done. He knows too much. Mm-hmm. He can't fire him. Here's why I, I don't want to go on this too long, but remember, yeah. remember Ike got two pitchers. He got Lorraine and he got yeah, yeah, yeah. Doggy Cooper. Yep. Right? So he's already got these pitchers, and that must have came from Mr. C. So mm-hmm. that he got rid of one of them, and then he still needs to get Doggy. Here, here's a question. Yes. What if that already happened? What if this is playing with time? Oh, boy. What if... Mr. C, all that stuff happened bef- bef- before that. That double header was, was that? I don't Maybe. know. Maybe I, I don't know. know. Let's go back to. Let's go back to. I still have that hope. I, yeah, I don't know. Audrey, I don't so, really have much evidence. Audrey, so we see these red shoes that uh, Dougie Cooper sees walks by, mm-hmm. and I didn't pick it up right away, but. A lot of other people on the internet picked it up that in the season one, Audrey wore red. Heel top, heel top. It's a skirt and everything. I mean, it's the same, almost the same outfit. So yeah, she. I think the pilot, she was switching her shoes and she put on these red high heels. And then I think a few episodes later, 
Cooper asks to join for breakfast, and she's wearing those high heels. Mm -hmm. And I think that, and so at least Cooper would have seen that. So he could be associating with it. So yeah. we, we need to get Audrey back, and she needs to wear those those shoes, and she needs to New shoes. tap them three <laughs> times and say, there's no place like hope. I, I don't know. You do always wonder, are we reaching, or is this something that's intentional that Lynch and Frost are doing? I don't... I think it's all subtle callbacks. Yes. Definitely. I think something like this is a subtle callback. I think a lot of this stuff is subtle. I, I don't think we're reaching for small stuff. I think my theory is reaching. I think sometimes we we read into things more than we sh we were supposed to, but I think that's the fun of Twin Peaks. I mm. think that's what makes it so much fun. Um and it's so hard. We don't have the whole picture. You right. know, it's so weird that we we can't analyze something fully without the whole picture, and we don't have the full picture. But I just, I, I feel like stuff like this is just a subtle callback. And if you're a big fan like yourself, you'll get it. And for newcomers who don't, they, will, they won't get it. They'll just think something else. And right. maybe down the line, they'll figure it out. But the internet, I think, <laughs> really helps out a lot. Totally. I agree. Yeah. Awesome. I, I think that's the show, Ben. I think, oh my God, it was a jam-packed episode. Yeah, and again, this is always going to, I always feel like this is the first part of a two-part, like I always feel like that mm -hmm. we have. I wanted more. With, yeah, I always, I'm always left with wanting more, and I feel like next week is a follow-up. Hopefully it's connected to. We, we got one more thing. Which oh, yeah. We have two drugged up girls at the roadhouse. That's right. Do you know who those drugged up girls uh, are? Sky Ferreira. Yeah, singer. And, yeah, and I don't know who the other person was. I don't know the other person. But um, they were drugged up. They're, she, Sky Ferreira's character, she got fired from Flippin' Burgers, blah, 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 blah. She's got a nasty rash on her ah, armpit. Ah, freaky. And it looks like, obviously, they're into drugs. And I'm wondering probably if... on Sparkle. Yes, yeah, probably Sparkle. Um, maybe something, it's a bad rash or, or reaction to the drug. Hmm. And maybe something will happen where... Um, people start dying because of something. That's what I thought of anyway, because they kept doing a close-up of her itching her armpit, and it was all gross. Uh, yes. And, I mean, that really was... That's all it was. Um, so I it think... It seemed random, but I'm guessing that it's connected the, to this. To the drugs. Yeah. Something. Um, so I think overall... I, I Do you think Mr. C is looking for jackrabbits? Do you think that coordinates that he wants is jackrabbits? I mean, that's the big question about this episode, for me anyway, is... Is that the coordinates that Mr. C is looking for? Or is this forest in South Dakota? Are they? Is he still in? He still must be in South Dakota. So I actually think it's, it could be the coordinates of the principal that... Um, the funny thing is, it's on his blog, Mr. C, if you just went to his blog. <laughs> if you went to his blog, you'd figure it out. So I don't know. It could be. You're yeah, right. I, I mean, know. there's all these coordinates. Yeah, coordinates and numbers and what does this all mean? I almost feel like... Um, Maybe these different things are happening in different uh, dimensions sometimes. Because they mention a car blowing up. We've seen a car blow up. We saw a car accident. And someone was in a car accident. But, but there's always this repetition in the original series, too. Yeah. There's always kind of like things just happened over again, like duality. Yeah, you're right. And it's where duality in the first two seasons, in this one, it feels like threes. Hmm. We got three bumbling idiot detectives. <laughs> um we got three agents and Diane. Right. She's not an agent, but we got three agents. You got three Coopers. You have almost three worlds to work. I mean, you have the Twin Peaks. You have the 
uh, South Dakota. Possibly the White Lodge. And, and you have the Lodge. Red, so, Red, Red Room, Black Lodge. Yeah, are they all overlapping? Um, Major Briggs is he, he is a head, his body, and himself being on a different plane? His soul. His soul. That's three. Head, body, and soul? Yes. I mean, ah, it's crazy to it think about crazy. so much. So next week, Cooper's back. He wakes up. I don't think so. I don't think. I know. I mean, I really thought it was going to be at this. So here we are. We are actually at the halfway point. We only have nine Nine. parts left. So we have done. We have gone through our first nine, and we have our last nine. And it's funny because you know originally they were only supposed to be nine parts. So like you know, can can you even imagine what this would have been like with nine episodes? It would have been compressed. I mean, like I. They seem to be saying that. I don't think they added anything. I mean, they Lynch would add something, you know, happy accidents or maybe add something to Frank Truman line or something like that. Yeah. But it seems like, I feel like the Spider was a movie, we want to call it, or a mm-hmm. whole series. So it's interesting to see, did they stretch it out? Do you have these these two-minute smoking scenes that would have had to have been 10 seconds? I don't think we would have gotten the episode we got last week R- yeah. before the break. I don't think that would have happened. Maybe not. Yeah, because that could have been done after the fact. You know, right? But yeah. So I mean, we're getting we're we still got a lot of show still. We still got nine more parts. But it's interesting to see. I feel like every week I think we say, "Oh, it's coming more together. It's coming together." And I keep thinking, "Okay, Cooper's back." Because I keep thinking we gotta get Cooper's gotta get back at some point, and he's gonna find Laura, and he's got to uh, he's got he's got work to do. There's things that have to happen. I at the same time, this could be the job for Dougie. No, <laughs> no, it could not. <laughs> Dougie gets stuck up to Brian, the plate. Brian, I, I think you're doing this show without me. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I think Coop, like, I think you're right. It is Cooper uh, Dougie having an Cooper awake. Dougie like Laura. Yeah. He, he just says one word. Laura. Laura. But, you know, I think you're right. I mean, Dougie is dead. We know that. We know Cooper needs to have an awakening, an epiphany, and he's getting there. Mm-hmm. He's getting there. And I do, I mean, that whole scene with the American flag, I do feel it's so powerful because it is the heart of who... Dale Cooper is that he is this Eagle Scout and he is the all American and he really believes in his country and mm. and I mean he did warding off like the spike has led him to this point of getting his finger fingerprints and I think maybe something something will happen where Gordon Cole and those guys like something happens and they see his fingerprints might mm. be Dale Cooper's fingerprints like. Dougie's fingerprints won't exist anymore because Dougie's not there. He's not quantum leaping. <laughs> no. I mean, he, no. I mean, those would be Cooper's fingerprints. Right. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Dougie's fingerprints would not exist anymore. There is no... Dougie is, is in the red room. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. That's what I just said. Uh, Dougie's prints is, won't uh, exist. At the same time, he's a, he's a, he's manipulation... I mean, he's a uh, manufactured... So... If you if you put the, if you put the fingerprints of Dougie Cooper and Mr. C, would they all have the same fingerprints? Yes. 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 And uh, we learned that Mr. C's would be backwards. Ah. Uh, so here's the thing: is though they'll see that, and will they think Mr. We've got we've caught Mr. C? We've already saw they saw the backwards prints and the Cooper's prints. Now they are if they get a third, going back to the threes, three Coopers. If we get. Dougie's prints. There's no Dougie prints. <laughs> if we get Cooper's prints, they're going to see that it's Cooper's prints. Yes. That's what I'm saying. I know. And Dougie's prints existed in that room where the dead body was, where Major Briggs' body was found. But Dougie's now gone. 
Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, rule of three, yet again. Right. We're going to have three sets of prints, and I think they're going to be like, what is going on here? Yeah, it's this good is going to be good. It's this good is going to be getting good. So, the show isn't over yet. So, we're on the phone with Lisa Coronado. Hi, Lisa. Hi. <laughs> so, you are a writer, you're a producer, and you're an actor. I mean, you know mostly for acting, and we are want to talk to you because you're part of Twin Peaks. Yes. As the hit yes. and run mom. I mean, yeah. Really, that's probably one of the most moving scenes in all everything that I've seen in the new series so far it's, it's yeah it's yeah. heartbreaking did oh, you man. did you know uh, when you auditioned did you know you were auditioning for Twin Peaks I did not know uh. <laughs> How, how'd that go one of those things where a lot of people were, were talking about they were getting called in for something at a local casting agency and nobody really knew what it was and um, the audition was you know basically just going in and I, I had known the casting director from a um, couple other projects before. And so I came in and, you know, she sat down and she just was like, I'm going to ask you some questions. Like, okay. Sat down and she just, we just started chatting and, and then she started asking me about being a mom and raising kids. It was really casual and I felt pretty comfortable with her to open up. And then she, she was like, thanks, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like, okay, awesome. And you're from Washington State, right? I am from Washington State, yep. yeah. So was the audition local? Yeah, I was in Seattle. You know, I didn't hear anything after that for, I don't know, a, a little bit. And then I got an email that I had booked it, and I still didn't know what it was. And, you know, the papers were going to be sent to me. And then once the papers came, I realized what it was. It was kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and had you seen Twin Peaks before? I did. My husband's family were, you know, huge fans of Twin Peaks. And I, I grew up watching Dune, and mm. then I had watched Mulholland Drive. I was familiar with David's films, and then I had caught episodes of Twin Peaks from my husband's family, but I had never sat down and actually, you know, watched the whole series. It kind of binged it. And so my my dad actually did recently, because he's like, I want to be caught up for, you know, when you're on. And <laughs> so now... I'm going back with my husband and we're starting watching, you know, seasons one and two. But I'm watching three now and I keep texting my dad and I'm like, hey, dad, I'm a little confused about this part. He's like, oh, yeah, it happened in season two, blah, blah, blah. And That's pretty soon awesome. I was like, oh, I'm just going to watch it. And can you share with us what uh, David Lynch, like, did he give you any instructions on on what to do in your scenes? You know, my scene was pretty action-oriented and, and reactionary. I think it was just a basic, you know, this is kind of what I'm thinking, this is what I'm going to bring, and we meshed really well. He was really, really careful. He loved his actors. He made sure I was felt safe. And that, that was really what I remember. It, you know, it was so emotional, and it was always checking in to make sure how I was doing, how Hunter, the, the little boy, was doing, and being really aware of the surroundings around us and the people, and, and just felt that, like, I had the space to really go there. So it was really pretty great. And, you know, it's a lot of, you know, okay, just, you know, keep crying. I feel like it was just such a, an emotional journey we went on together. After we were done, it couldn't have been more sweet, supportive. Yeah. So it was great. And the little boy was great. And he was such a trooper. And him and I kind of got along right away. I'm a father and I have uh, three young children. I have two uh, young girls and a, and a boy. And I think, are they safe to play outside in front of their house? Are they Even, even in, the, in the parking lot, are they safe from cars? In preparing for that scene like how do you do that how do you prepare for such a a devastating scene you know it, in the one hand it's kind of a blessing because i didn't have to reach very far like mm. it was literally living out my worst nightmare yeah. <laughs> i think it was just really 
holding back and then giving myself the permission to literally unleash it and mm. live it as if it was real. And so in, in some points it was cathartic. It was kind of like, oh, okay. I've lived through the worst thing I can think of with my kids. You know, at the end it was exhausted and I know the scene was emotional, not just for me, but for the extras. And like the first AD I remember came up to me afterwards and gave me the biggest hug and it mm. was so nice. And I was just, you know... I felt so supported so that it felt okay to go there to know that I'd be able to come back out. Did you see the final product of that episode? So a lot of times I, I, I'm okay watching my stuff, usually because there's enough time between when I shot it and when it airs and then it becomes interesting again. It's like, oh yeah, that happened. But this one, I think it took me about five days to finally, after it aired, to watch it. Just because, I don't know, it was tough. And so yeah. I watched it and I was so kind of just taken aback at how beautifully he edited it in, in Harry Dean Stanton's performance which I knew was going to be great because I was there but then mm. just watching it it was so precious. I felt like I wasn't watching myself which was nice. It was just this beautiful tragic scene and then I had to of course like warn my parents and I get this text from my mom and it was so funny and she's like your dad and I watched your scene. All, all we can say is holy crap and dad's still crying. <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry, I know, I'm so sad. And it was pretty great. And then I, uh, somebody clipped the scene on YouTube and, and I finally was able to share it. But I felt bad. I, I kind of had to, you know, precursor it with, this is really traumatic. It's going to really upset them. I want to warn them first and they can not watch it. And the music, and I, I read an article that they've written the music first. David explained it to the composer. And so then they just overlaid that with the scene, which I thought was so cool. Yeah, um, that's so cool. The scene begins with you very playful. And you did such a great job of, yeah. I mean, I could feel the warmth and the playfulness between the mother and the child. I got to know Hunter a little bit before. And we looked like football. And so it was just, you know, making it as comfortable and as natural as possible with him. And, and he was great. You were an article for uh, in the Seattle Times. And one of the things that you said that you're also a stay-at-home mom. They should find another way to say that. They should say, you're amazing and that you can you can raise your family and you're an actor and you do it all. I yeah, like, yeah. I was reading that. I, I like, know. It was, <laughs> it was a funny way that they worded that. I was like, actually, I've worked about 20 jobs in that, that time. But I, yeah. it's been really nice. Is my, you know, most of the jobs that I've had have been flexible with kid after school pickup. So it's been, I've been super lucky. And my husband has a great job that, you know, I just do the books for and the taxes. And so um, I kind of have my fingers in a lot of yeah. little things, like things here and there. And then, you know, when I wanted to, I think four years ago, I finally said, I'm going to hit this acting thing full time and, you know, just really open myself up to it. And it's been, it's been really great. It's been, you know, lots of variety of work in commercial and TV and film and all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff I haven't gotten to really see of yours yet. Like, But like that Different Drummers looks like a really interesting film that you did a few years ago. Yeah, I, w I worked with the guy that wrote it based on his own life. Uh, so I played his mother. John and Lyle were just uh, business partners and writing partners. And Lyle wrote the book on his life. And Don, I think, helped him turn it into script format. They did it together. And so they both directed, which was really nice because I had two different perspectives. And it was challenging and wonderful at the same time. And they were super involved. And playing somebody who was a real-life person was uh, a little scary. Mm. <laughs> you know, you just... And I had not met her and was able to create her from um, the book and the script. But yeah, it's a really sweet, sweet family film um, that we shot in Spokane and I had a blast. 
That's awesome. I saw a video where you talked about, so you have two directors and you have one director who's saying, we want you to cry in this scene. And then you have the other director saying, no, we don't want you crying in this scene. And it's, <laughs> I, I did it because Lyle was like, my mom wouldn't cry. I'm like, oh man, it's so hard not to cry in the scene. And then Don, so I did a couple takes where I held it together and, and then Don comes over and he's like, okay, Lisa, I'm giving you permission to cry in the take. I was like, yes, okay. <laughs> and, you know, so they got both. And I think they ended up using the take where I did cry. Because it, you know, it was the one time this woman broke down in the mm. whole film. So it, it just, it worked. What was it like, you know, working with David? First day on set, you know, he came right over to me and introduced himself. And I felt like I'd known him my whole life. He just oh. kind of has that impact on people. He makes you feel at ease and um, important and he's just lovely. I, I don't, there's not a lot of people I've met like him, so it's hard to describe him. Mm -hmm. And I feel like everybody feels this way about him, which is so universally like wonderful that this, this person that's created such interesting, phenomenal work is this really just down to earth, warm, open guy. That's what he was like. And getting to see him again just briefly at the premiere party kind of has this way where I, I lose my work. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Uh. I just see him and I smile. They grab its hands and we have this lovely moment and, and that's all that's needed, you know? Yeah, it's just kind of awesome. like, thank you. I feel like I have all these things that I could say to him and mm. I just, I'm hoping, I'm like, someday down the road, I'm just actually going to get words out to say <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I thought, and maybe, I know some other fans thought that maybe you were going to be Donna Hayward. Which yeah, is we like, had a big debate. We like... had a debate, but it's like, <laughs> there's something about your, I, I do think you have a glow in your hair and there's something about it. It's like, oh, she would make the perfect Donna and I don't think it turned out that way because clearly they, I think they would yeah. reference it in the series by now. But I, I we thought you were going to be Donna. We <laughs> thought you were going to be the new Donna. Yeah. Well, and yeah, you know, I can't, I cannot talk about anything with my character, whether yes. she appears, you know, down the road or what happens. But I will say, I swear to God, in Lynch's universe, anything is possible. Uh, I mean, sure. it's very, very funny. And it, you know, what's crazy is when I was younger, that moving cutting edge, I constantly got told it looks like Moira Kelly. So yeah. like, I wonder if that kind of a little bit too, what people, from what I gathered, thought that we kind of had the same look. So. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. she played in the, in the movie, at Twin Peaks movie, Firewalk With Me, that she played the yeah. Donna. Yeah, yeah, she was the best Donna, in my opinion. There's a big debate <laughs> about that, too. I'm not getting into that debate. <laughs> <laughs> so you're also a gamer. You're on a Hyper RPG on Twitch? Yeah. That's, really That's awesome. Yeah, I am. That's so much yeah, fun. Yeah, I'm actually going to Modesto. I'm going to my first gaming convention to do a, a Gamers Live. We're doing a live RPG, so I'm performing in that. So That's, wow. that'll be interesting. So what are you doing? <laughs> what, what, what kind of game, you know, what RPG are you playing? Basically, what these guys have done, I think this is their fourth year, and it's been pretty successful. This is my first year with them. But it basically plays out like a bunch of friends meeting in a basement to play an RPG. You know, a little Dungeons & Dragons, a little um, mesh. But you've got your GM. And he's basically taking the players through a game. But what we do is we interact with the audience. So he'll have a player go up and the audience gets to create their fantasy character, oh, who they are. That sounds and so awesome. Then we're, oh, yeah. So we're all assigned fantasy characters. And then we sit back down and we go through it. And whenever the GM, like, I guess he dings a bell, we have to run on stage and actually act out the fantasy portion. Oh, my so God. We're actually playing. Yes. And then the audience has this huge foam D20. And so they're rolling for us on whether we're successful and stuff. And it's just it's super interactive, ridiculous shenanigans. And we put on like a 90-minute a show. That sounds awesome. I, I, I got to watch that. I played D&D &D, uh, with a group of friends of mine. We play, we've been playing for like, 
five, six years, the same campaign. The same one? The oh same campaign. We don't same need... Same campaign? Yeah. You for... died? Huh? Yeah, well... You just haven't died? No. Maybe I you just need to have, like spend one day, take a Saturday, and just no, get it done. Well, because a lot of the guys I play with have kids and jobs. They've all gotten the way of playing. So we play like like uh, three to four times a year. And but, but when we play, it's like six hours. You know, we play until oh, yeah. two in the morning. And then we're all fried for the next day. We all got to be up early <laughs> for work. And it's every couple months we'll, we'll get together and play. And um, our DM is very nice. He doesn't kill anybody. He oh. has a long oh, nice. story. That's yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> he doesn't like to kill people. I mean, we got in close. Yeah. But this sounds awesome. I, I definitely want to check this out. With the same group, I do a show on Monday nights and Friday nights on Twitch. Uh, the Monday night show is called Masters of the Metaverse. It's wacky and zany and crazy. Mm. We, just, we had our series finale Monday night. And then on Friday night, I play periodically something called Death from Above, which is a battle tech. It's, mm. I guess it, it was a tabletop game, and wow. we turned it into tabletop and RPG, and it's like an ongoing saga. That's awesome. So I, yeah, that one's been really fun because it's uh, dramatic, and we've got all the fan fiction that people have been writing. It's been incredible, and I'm not sure how much longer that show's going to be going. I think it's second season is just about to wrap up. But Masters of the Metaverse on Monday nights, it's crazy, and it's hilarious, and you know it's interactive, and people get to donate money to change things in the game or get certain powers. Oh, that's neat. Or, I like that. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty fun. It's been it's been a wild ride the last six months. That's for sure. <laughs> we're almost done, but I also just want to mention that you you were in this short film called Revelation, which I thought was very intriguing, and I really liked your part. I don't think there was any speaking part. It was really just you going through the scene. It was it was so fascinating. How did you get involved with that? So my best friend, Wonder Russell, decided she wanted to direct her first film. Um, she's mm. a fellow actress, a friend of mine, and she wanted it to be this really organic process with like six of her female friends, actress friends, and we all came together to develop a story of what we felt revelation was mm. to us, and so we explored it through all like movement class and mask making, and we did all of this crazy stuff to develop our own story, and for me at the time, it was this struggle between staying a kid and growing up and what that really means and mm. really seeing that I guess getting older doesn't necessarily mean you lose your childlike qualities. They're mm. still there. You're just expanding oh. on who you are. And so it was really um, a play with that and watching my children getting older and just mm. this whole cycle of being afraid to grow up and yeah. and really that it can, it can be a really beautiful thing. So that's kind of where mine came from. It was a cool process yeah. for sure. And on the website, did you write a poem? I did. That is so cool. I love it. Yeah, really I did. Nice. I wrote a, I wrote a poem about it. And actually, you know, I, I spoke with a couple different people about potentially turning that into um, a children's book. And mm. so, and I've got a couple that are somewhat similar in that that rhyming scheme. And so I was like, oh, maybe yeah. I will write some like really positive, especially for girls. You know, mm. my my daughter's twelve, kind of going through that struggle of, of growing up and really showing them how beautiful they are and, and try to ease that transition a little bit, you know? That's really awesome. Yeah. You should do that. I think yeah. that's so cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for your time. If there's more to your character, I hope you, maybe you come back sometime. And As, Donna. As Donna. <laughs> we're, not, we're not saying Donna. We're not saying that, but... Yeah, well, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much for reaching out. Thank you, Lisa, for being on today's show. That was awesome. We learned a lot from her. It was so cool to hear the other stuff she's doing. Yes. And she's a gamer. And you love that. Yeah, I it was really that. cool. Yeah, it was really, really cool. cool. Yeah.
We'll have to check her out on Twitch or something. Yeah. So check that out, everybody. And I thank you, community, for posting. I post that picture after every episode. The conversation continues. I love it. Everybody was just digging in, asking questions. Uh, this show has gone a little bit long today, so we're not going to go into uh, community feedback at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a lot to cover. You can email us at twinpeaksunwrapped at gmail.com. You could also follow us on Twitter. Ben, how's Twitter going? Twitter's just exploding. Twitter is awesome. You know, I don't talk about numbers much, but we are getting so close to 15,000 followers. I think we're like uh, 14.5. So we are getting closer and closer to 15,000 followers. Oh, my God. That That's is kinda awesome. Cool. It's really awesome. I love I love the community. I mean, like I said, I think part of the show is just done by the community, all the things that they found. And I don't think I saw the Audrey's red shoes at first. So I think that was so cool. Thank you to everyone. And you know, I don't ever talk enough about uh YouTube. You know, we I was gonna mention that, yeah. Yeah, we are on we usually a few days after we we post on our our show we posted on YouTube, yeah. just audio version, and we have a community there too. I think there's so many cool people, line standing, and all these other people that are are there. They are awesome. Thank you guys for listening and for all your support. If you're listening to this right now, at this very moment, our interview with Charlotte Stewart has been posted on YouTube. It's on our Podbean page. You can check that out. It's in our feed. But if you go on YouTube right now, it's our latest video. We're re-airing that. Yeah, that was from really last cool. year. She does still. She gives a very, very tiny piece of information about being on the set for while well, doing this scene that we just saw on part nine. So it's still kind of cool. And I almost feel like we're that's it. I think you're right. That I don't think we're going to see her again. Right. She was only there. I think she was only there for a day. So that makes sense that 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 would might be her only scene for the whole series. And it's interesting that we got Margaret. Who gave a message. Mm. And now we have Charlotte Stewart who's giving the second part of the message. And to go with the rule of threes, someone else could show up to give yet a third message. Lots of messages. A lot of messages. (laughs) So like us on Facebook at Twin Peaks Unwrapped. We are getting close to 900 likes. Thank you everybody who's joining the conversation on there. Also, like you heard in the very beginning of today's episode, you can get us in the nominations for the podcast awards. We're in two categories, TV and film and people's choice. This is getting us in the nominations. And then if we get that far, there'll be another round of voting. uh, Yeah, so please nominate us. Let let us be part of this uh, great... uh podcast awards yeah yeah the link is on twitter and our facebook page so you can just head on over there and we'll direct you in the right place also itunes thank you for the five star reviews thank you for the comments and please continue if you haven't already just go on there and leave us a uh, quick message or just give us a five star review that allows our show to be more seen by others who are interested in twin peaks see you next week <laughs> <laughs>